0: hello and welcome to what the bump my name is jennifer i am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this september this podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy join me here every monday at 9 a.m as we dive into all things prenatal birth postpartum and so much more so let's jump into today's episode in this episode, Elizabeth Smith is coming on the podcast to share her birth story. Liz talks about how she was sick up until 32 weeks of her pregnancy with nausea. She also talks about how she had gestational diabetes where she was taking insulin and actually was induced at 39 weeks for the gestational diabetes. Her induction consisted of Cytotec, a Cook's fully balloon, and Pitocin. Liz also struggled with postpartum anxiety. She's very passionate about shining a light on this subject and encouraging people to get help. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Liz. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So let's just jump right in. Tell me a little bit about yourself, about your family.
1: All right. So I'm married to my husband, Kyle. We live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, we just had a baby six weeks ago so this is all still very new. Yes. So my husband works from home, okay. um, which has been really great having him here. I worked up until the end of my pregnancy as a nanny full-time. Um, and I also work as a postpartum doula and a newborn care specialist.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That is good to know. Great connection to have yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's an interesting having a baby of my own. It's a big transition. Yeah. So as far as postpartum um, nurse, when you say that, did you do more like, you know, postpartum, like mom care, or did you do more like postpartum? Cause I feel like, you know, some people do one or the other more so, but like more postpartum, like newborn care.
1: I feel like it varied on the client and what they needed. Um, but typically I would work with the, the newborn overnight and take care of them and let the parents get some sleep. Yes. But I usually worked with clients who have like postpartum mood disorders. Um, helping them kind of get a handle on things and get things going smoothly with their newborns
0: so they can enjoy that phase. Yeah. It's always interesting when you go through something that you also work in. So like, you know, being a postpartum night nurse, now you're probably like, geez, I I want one. Like I need to hire one. (laughs) I know we did. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, there you go. (laughs) At least that's, that's, that's good. It's amazing though. You realize when you do these things, how, and then you go through it, how valuable of a resource, I guess, and the impact that you have on families, maybe I feel like, you know, when you do it every day, it can be like blunted in our aspect, but then you have somebody do it you know, back for Mm -hmm. you and and you're like, wow, this, I am making a big difference in these people's lives. Yes, for sure. So tell me about your pregnancy. Tell me about finding out you were pregnant. Were you trying? Was it a total surprise? How did that happen? So we were trying, it was planned. It took about three cycles
1: for us to get pregnant. So it was pretty quick. We were really lucky. I feel very blessed. And I found out really, really early because we were planning on getting sushi that night. And I, I wanted to know if I was pregnant or not. So I took a test knowing that it might not show anything. So when it popped up and I saw two lines, I was so surprised. I didn't even believe it myself. I took five more tests just to be sure. And um, I finally got a positive on a digital test and I was like, okay, well, I guess this is really happening. But my yeah. husband had a friend over and so I didn't want to tell him you know, while his friend was there and I was like, wow, I did not think this through. So I just went and I picked up our food. We had dinner. We, you know, spent the evening all hanging out. And then when he finally left around midnight or so I had set up in our bedroom, I had set up a little, you know, onesie and like the pregnancy tests and a calendar and circled what I thought the due date would be. And, you know, all of these things. And Um, So when he walked into our room, he saw it and it took him a second to see it. And then he saw it and he was so excited. And then we got to celebrate it together. And we waited a a few weeks after that, just a couple of weeks to tell our families, we just wanted that time, like just the two of us to kind of absorb it. You know, it's one thing to plan for it. And then another thing, it's like really happening. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So we told my parents first and they were so excited. They're just so happy to be grandparents. They love it. And um, we told my my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, and then we waited a few more weeks until we'd had a first ultrasound to tell our friends and the rest of our family and just held on to it for a little longer. And it was very just sweet, you know, kind of having that time to just
0: know just us. Yes, definitely. Well, props to you for holding that secret in all night. I, I'd have been oh like, Oh my God, it was so hard. <laughs> I'd have been like, can you, can you like go get something out of the yard? Or I don't know. I would have just died. Like I, when you said, you're like, I don't know what I was thinking, taking that test with, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. But you know, sometimes you just can't help it. And yeah, I, mean, I had to know. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. It's, it's the extent, especially when you, when you're trying and you know, you're like, okay, I could probably get a positive today. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you count down the days truly yes. when you're intentional about it for sure. And so that's, that's just, that's funny. And it is totally fun to kind of keep to yourself for a little bit. And like you said, just like cherishing those moments between you two and just really enjoying that. Yeah. So take me through your pregnancy. What was your pregnancy? Like, how are you feeling? So
1: I was right at five weeks pregnant when I started to get really nauseous and really sick. And at first I was like, okay, this is just the typical, you know, morning sickness first trimester, everyone has this. And then it just, you know, 12 weeks came and went and it was not getting better. I was still super sick, still having a lot of nausea, a lot of gagging and dry heaving and vomiting. And, um, it was sort of controlled with medication, but we kept having to increase the doses and I could barely drink or eat anything. I had a very short list of safe foods. I couldn't drink plain water. It had to be like flavored water. It had to be very specific things that I could eat without it coming back up. So, you know, and then it, you know, 20 weeks came and went and I was still wow. super, super sick. And I tried coming off the medications a few times and every time it would be right back to the same story. So I was medicated for that for most of my pregnancy. And I, it finally let up around 32 weeks oh, and I was finally cute. able to come back off the medication a little bit, but that was unexpected Yes, and very rough. And then sort of around that same time, around like 28 weeks, when they do the, the blood sugar test, I found out I had gestational diabetes Mm -hmm. and that I, I was not expecting that either. So I was very surprised when I got my results back from the first test. And then I had to go back and do the three hour test, which is terrible. Yes. That first test is not as bad as people make it out to be in my opinion, but the three hour test was, it's rough.
0: I believe it's like 50 grams of glucose at the first one and 150 grams of glucose at the, at the three hour one. So it it hits you differently. I mean, that's the equivalent of, of like, I don't know, like three whole cans of Coca-Cola or something. I mean, it's, it's a lot of sugar at once. It's a lot. It
1: was very hard to get through that test and then afterwards finding out that I did have gestational diabetes. My eating restrictions were even more. So, and then after a while, my blood sugars weren't controlled anymore with just diet. So then I had to start insulin and, you know, we kept increasing that every few days and then they would start to creep up again. And we'd have to increase the amount of insulin more. And I eventually was taking insulin and, um, a couple of other medications to try and control my blood sugar. It was just very high. Right and so we started to talk about induction at that point um induction around 39 weeks and i i had growth scans they did ultrasounds just to make sure she was growing and healthy and you know she wasn't getting too big and there weren't right. signs of you know distress and things like that and she was doing great she wasn't measuring big at all but my blood sugars were so out of control that just, we felt best moving forward with an induction, just because, you know, the later in pregnancy you get, the more, you know, the placenta has gone through a lot at that point. Yeah, And especially with my blood sugars being so high, I just felt safer going forward with induction. So
0: right. we planned that for 39 weeks. Oh, wow. So when, when you said you were like, you had the sickness throughout your pregnancy, did they did, did they diagnose you with like hyperemesis? They didn't. And I've,
1: I've wondered if I did have it, if I fit somewhere on that spectrum, right. Um, it was never formally diagnosed, but I mean, you know, I was medication controlled for 30 plus weeks. So,
0: yeah. And that's, that's a long time. Did you have like vomiting also when you said you were sick or was it just more of like a general nausea feeling? Mostly once I got past like the
1: 15-ish week mark. It was mostly nausea and just so much gagging and dry heaving and everything would trigger my gag reflex. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: But I was able to not vomit most of the time, but some of that I think was just sheer willpower. Like I will not, I will not do this. Yes. I had such a phobia of throwing up that even getting pregnant was scary because I was like, (laughs) oh, I might be sick. And then I was.
0: Yes. Yes. I I have a huge phobia of throwing up. Like I have to be on my deathbed to throw up. It just- I have a phobia of it, also, but I mean that's just crazy that you had the the the. I want I want to call it hyper, I, and I'm not I know, you know, yeah. diagnosing, but my natural instinct is to say that. But it's crazy that you had such a you know such a sickness throughout. Would you say 32 weeks at subsided? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean that's just a really long time to have almost like what people refer to as morning sickness almost, but right. you're just like all day till the yeah. third trimester, halfway through it, you know. It was it was crazy, and just having to work that whole time too. It's,
1: you know, when you get sick in your normal life and you have a stomach bug, you can just take time off and recover. But, you know, I had to do 30 weeks of it still going to work and driving back and forth an hour each way every day. And that was, I was so happy to start my maternity leave at 37 weeks.
0: Yes. Was there any like little things that you found that would help you? I know you said like certain foods and some of the medications, but there's, is there anything like really specific that you felt like was something that really helped you when you were feeling sick?
1: Yes. And that was, I had to keep like a, one of those like stainless steel water bottles or something that would keep water, like super cold and mostly ice and add some lemon juice to it and start sipping on that as soon as I felt my gag reflex getting triggered and if I started just sipping on that water it would usually calm it down okay and that was really one of the only things that actually helped other than medication right which, right bonus it also
0: helped me stay hydrated so yes <laughs> that and that's important when you're feeling sick and you're probably not yes. eating and maybe throwing up a little bit too so Yes. So you said that you had the gestational diabetes. It was kind of getting a little bit uncontrolled where, you know, you had 39 weeks, your term delivery is definitely safe. No doubt about that at 39 weeks. So they put you on the books for an induction. Now, what were your like birth preferences that you had going into your induction? Did you have, um, you know, were you planning a, an epidural and unmedicated birth? Did you really have any, any plans or preferences? I did.
1: And Before I found out about the gestational diabetes, before we were planning induction, I had, you know, all these plans of an unmedicated birth. You know, I was in my mind kind of prepping to go to 41 or 42 weeks and kind of letting things take their course and knowing, you know, doing kind of hypnobirthing classes and just planning for a very like serene environment where I would just let things kind of unfold. Yes. Uh, very, you know, very low interventions. And um, I knew I needed to at least be in the hospital when I, when I had gestational diabetes. Um, so I was kind of toying with the idea of a home birth up until that point. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, we definitely need to be in the hospital for both of us to be monitored during and after. But even at that point, we still weren't talking about induction. So I still thought, oh, I can just keep all the rest of my plans the same. And right as we started to get closer and we realized that it was just getting harder and harder to control my blood sugars. And, um, I was starting to get nauseous and sick again. And my body was just telling me that it was done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as much as I didn't want to surrender to the idea of an induction, I just, the more we talked about it and the more I talked about it with my midwives, I felt like they, they really heard my concerns and no one ever pressured me into it. It was fully my choice, which was amazing. I never felt like I had to do anything. Um, they gave me the information and we talked about it and what we had peace moving forward with was induction. So it was kind of the opposite of what I had imagined it being. And so I had to really process that because I was anticipating, you know, a 40 plus week pregnancy. And, you know, I was kind of excited about going into labor at home and being able to labor at home and, having our doula come over and, you know, my husband being able to be with me at home or maybe my mom. Um, So having to kind of like switch gears from all of that was probably the hardest part for me because I knew that things would change. And I knew that my, you know, pain relief options might be more limited. And I knew that I might actually consider getting an epidural because I would be uh, more interventions would be happening. And, you know, I might be in more pain mm-hmm. or more discomfort than I would be if I didn't have all of those things happening. So I kind of had to let go of my ideas of some of what I wanted. And I always knew going into it that I wasn't completely against pain relief or getting an epidural. Mm-hmm. I was just planning to see how long I could go without one. Right. And then if I really needed one, if I was suffering, then I, that was always the plan, is I would get one. Um, because, you know, there's a big difference, I think, in suffering and then just managing pain. Well, if I was managing it well, that's one thing, but yeah. And you'll hear later I was not. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but your mindset seems extremely like healthy, like every, honestly, everything that you're saying, like, yeah, like, you know, it sounds like you're almost like, I, I totally had to mourn almost like the plans that I had set in place, like a four, you know, a 41 week pregnancy, letting everything unfold naturally, not intervening with my body and what mother nature was doing and all that. But almost like when they told you you had to switch gears, like you took your time, you know, you, you rerouted your mind, but it's like, you, you were able to so easily. And that's why I like to call it like birth preferences more so yeah, because you were so flexible with the fact like, okay, like, you know, this is what's safest for me and for my baby. And so, you know, this is, this is what's, what's going to have to happen. And it's just amazing to just hear how, how like healthy your mindset is with it of, you know, not trying to fight it. And you, you know, you just kind of being like, okay, well, you know, this is how it's going to be now. And and I'm okay with that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's like the best way to view it for sure. Yes, definitely. It took a lot of the anxiety out of it for me because I yeah.
1: decided to not try and control everything. And yes. And you can't control birth. <laughs> no, definitely learned that. That was the thing I, you know, going into it, I even had all these ideas of like, oh, I know birth never goes the way you plan, but even still within that was imagining. Oh yeah. Either at home or a birth center, or even if I was in the hospital, I never imagined induction. So to me, that was kind of like a huge shift that I had to really take some time to process. But, but you're right. Once we did, we knew, we knew we were making the right decision. So,
0: yeah, yeah. It's funny. We always say like, you can't, you know, plan or control birth. And we say that, but then like, I feel like when it happens to us, we're like, wait, yeah, like, we're like totally yeah. taken by surprise. So, you know, it's it's all fun and games to other people. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, other, like you, you can say it and it's candid yeah. and like, oh yeah, you know, I know whatever happens, happens. I can't control it. You know, baby's in charge. And then when baby actually is in charge, you're like, wait, I thought that only happened to other people. Like not exactly. me. my birth is going to go how I want it to. Yes. It's just funny how we have that mind, which there's nothing bad about that. Like at all for sure, but it's just kind of, no, it
1: was so true. That's exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> so tell me about your induction. Tell me about labor. So my
1: induction was planned for, um, actually the day before my birthday. So we went into the hospital on April 22nd, um, which was a Thursday. And I knew there was a good possibility. I might have her on my birthday, depending on how things went. Um, which even at first I was like, I don't know if she's going to want to share her birthday with me. Like, it's funny how the way that our minds pick up on things that make us anxious, like that is the thing that I was fixating on. Was like, What if she doesn't want to share her birthday with me? And I'm like, well, I can't control that either. So nope. here we go. And we had it planned for that day. So my husband had taken off work, starting his paternity leave that day. Um, we had all these plans. We were going to, you know, go get coffee from our favorite place and just kind of spend the day together, you know, the one last day, just the two of us, which was really one of the biggest perks of having a planned induction was that we could plan everything. And so we had all these things we were gonna do. And then the hospital called that morning and said that they might delay my induction. So don't come to the hospital until we call you. And so all of my plans fell apart again. And so, because we live about 30 minutes from the hospital. So I didn't wanna go and do something close by if they were gonna say, don't come in. So we ended up just getting a pizza and hanging out on the couch and watching a movie and it got to be around nine 30 and I was starting to get ready to go to bed. Cause I figured, oh, they're not going to call me now. Cause you know, the day is almost over and they called about 15 minutes later and asked if I wanted to go ahead and come in and start my induction. And I was so surprised. I didn't even answer for what had to be a full minute. She was like, oh, are, were you surprised by that? And <laughs> I was like, uh, yes, they told me that not to expect to come in today. So, you know, sorry, but I'm just a little thrown off. So, and I think I said, yes, we'll be there before I even talked to my husband about it. <laughs> he was sitting there and he was like, Oh, okay. I guess we're doing this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we, we had everything packed already though, because of course we had already planned to go in that day. And I you know, jumped in the shower and it just all started to set in. Like we're actually going to the hospital and we are going to be coming home with our baby and we will yes not be coming home again to this house, just the two of us. And it was just such a wild feeling. And we got into the car and we started driving to the hospital and, um, we called our pastors and they prayed with us on the way there, which was really awesome and helped kind of put both of our minds at ease.
0: Um,
1: they were really sweet to support us like that. And we called my mom and filled her in and let her know what was happening. And, um, she was so excited and We got there around 11 o'clock at night and it was just so weird because there was no one walking around and, you know, with COVID there's no visitors. So there was nobody kind of going in and out. And I've, you know, never really been to a hospital where there wasn't people everywhere. So it was kind of eerie walking down the hallways and no one was there. And we got up to labor and delivery, filled out all of our paperwork. And the whole time I just kept thinking, like, I just could not wrap my brain around being there and that it was happening. And I guess somewhere in my mind, I was just going to be pregnant forever. <laughs> so we met our midwife that was going to be starting the induction and she was so sweet. So great. We had a great experience with her and she came in they did my COVID test and it was negative. So I could take my mask off. Thank goodness. Yes. Which I just think is going to be such a crazy story to be able to tell her someday that she was born during a pandemic and you know, that I had to be tested for it. And, you know, her dad had to wear a mask the whole time we were at the hospital and we couldn't have anybody come meet her while we were there. And just what a crazy time it was. (laughs) But at the same time, kind of nice though, to not have to, you know, tell people they couldn't come visit. it was, we just had the perfect excuse. Like, yes, no one can come. Yes. (laughs) So that was actually kind of nice to have that time just us. But we got settled in our room and they you know, gave me my hospital gown and I put it on and got in the bed and it just started to feel very like very real. I started to feel kind of anxious and a little panicky, like, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm not exactly sure what the plan is. And, you know, this midwife have actually haven't met her yet. I've never had any appointments with her. So she's brand new too. And um, she came in and just kind of immediately put us at ease though. She was very sweet and very um, informative and also took things very slowly and gave us lots of time to talk to each other and think about what our options were and how we should start. Uh, so she offered to start with cytotech instead of, you know some of our other options, um, because she knew that I had had some chronic pelvic pain. Um, not it had gotten worse during pregnancy, but even before pregnancy had been dealing with that. And so she didn't want to do any unnecessary, you know, cervical checks or, you know, things like that. Right. If it would cause me extra discomfort, which honestly was just so great. I never, I don't think I would have thought to ask for that because I would have assumed that whatever, you know, she wanted to do would have been the right call. So that was, very much appreciated that. And she did, I did ask her to check me, um, at the beginning, just to see if anything was happening at all. And that way we could make a really informed decision on what we wanted to do. And, of you know, I wasn't dilated at all, even a little bit. So we decided to go ahead and start the Cytotec. So they gave me the first dose and it's typically you get four doses of it, four hours apart. So we knew we were kind of in there for the long haul before things would really get going. Yep. Um, so they gave me something to help me sleep. And after they set up my IV and all of that, and I didn't actually have to start fluids. They just put a port in my hand so that I would have it in case it was needed. Um, which again, was great. I was glad they didn't go ahead and start everything right away. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have tons of monitors everywhere, blood pressure cuff and all of that yet. So. I went to sleep and when I woke up, um, I had my second dose of the side attack. And I went back to sleep. And after a couple of hours, um several nurses kind of came rushing into the room and um started telling me to flip on one side or the other, get up on my hands and knees. And um, I guess her heart rate was decelling every time I had a contraction which kind of was crazy to me because I wasn't feeling any of these contractions yet. I could see that they were happening on the monitor, but I hadn't felt any pain at all yet, uh, which was very nice. So definitely wasn't complaining. So once they got her heart rate back up and she was looking good, we decided not to continue with the Cytotec after that because clearly she wasn't responding well to it. Um, So I asked her to do another cervical check so we could see if it had done anything. And it did. It did kind of get us moving. I was dilated about half a centimeter. So something was happening, even if it was just a a very little bit. And so um, another midwife came in and asked if I wanted to consider using a cook's catheter or a Foley bulb. And I knew what that was. And I knew kind of what the procedure was like, what the process was. Um, And that had been something that I was really nervous about because I know it's a little bit more invasive, but it's not, you know, I, I hadn't wanted to move forward with any kind of like Pitocin or anything like that yet, if we could kind of get my cervix to get going on its own. So I decided to go ahead and let her do the Cook's catheter and it was definitely uncomfortable. It was not a fun few minutes, but once it was in, I, it was fine. I didn't have any more pain or discomfort. It was just kind of weird having the tubes coming out and they were taped to my leg and
0: yes. trying to walk around like that was very <laughs> weird. <laughs> yes. And for anybody who does not know a cook's catheter, or we also call it like a Foley balloon. Um, it's basically the best way to describe it is picture like, uh, a a, a like tube, I guess you could say with like two balloons on it. And what happens is you have to be a little bit dilated to get it, you know, through the cervix. So we put it through the cervix and then we blow up both of the balloons, usually both the balloons. It depends on the provider, but one balloon is then in, 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 on the inside of the cervix. The other balloon is on the outside of the cervix. When you fill them with water, sterile water, it applies pressure to the cervix. So it can kind of help it to thin out and to dilate normally with the amount of water we put in, it falls out at about four to five centimeters. So when you're, you know, when you're saying the insertion was uncomfortable, it's usually just feels like so much pressure while we blow Mm -hmm. up those balloons and then it starts to fade. And then when, when Liz is talking about the, the strings hanging out, you know, though it kind of does hang out, we usually tape it to a thigh, but the strings kind of, um, The tubing almost kind of hangs out of the vagina and we tape it, tape it to one of the thighs and we, it usually can stand for up to 12 hours. Like I said, it falls out about four to five centimeters. Yeah.
1: And I did have that one in for the full 12 hours almost was about 11 hours. And they came in and took that one out and checked me then. And I had maybe moved to about like one to two centimeters. So they asked me if I would be okay placing another one and I said, yes. So they did it right then. They went ahead and put in another one and, um, filled it with fluid. And that one wasn't nearly as uncomfortable because I was a little bit more dilated this time. So it wasn't, and I knew what was happening. So it wasn't quite as bad. Um, and once they got that one in, I started to settle in for the night. They gave me something else to help me sleep. And, you know, we, it had already been 24 hours at that point that we were just trying to get some dilation and effacement happening. Um, So I was not in any pain. I really wasn't uncomfortable at all yet at that point, just very tired from all of the, just being in the hospital in general and sleeping in a hospital bed and having someone come take vitals every 30 minutes or so. And so I was very happy to get to have some sleep. And I got up to go to the bathroom. And when I went to stand up, the Foley balloon fell out. So, and it had only been in for what I thought was about 20 minutes, but it had probably been about an hour at that point. Okay. So I called my nurse and midwife to come back in and I at that point I was I don't know, I guess I didn't really understand what was happening, so I thought they were gonna have to put it back in. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, it fell out and I knew it was supposed to fall out, but I couldn't imagine having gone from one centimeter to five centimeters in you know in 30 minutes or so. yeah. so but they checked me and I was at five centimeters between five and six. Um, so things were really starting to pick up at that point, And I still wasn't having any painful contractions, just some occasional cramping. And, um, you know, they had, they had done some Pitocin for a little while earlier in the night, just kind of started it at its very lowest point, you know, and then they add about every 30 minutes, increase it. Um, uh, but I still, even though I could see that I was having contractions on the monitor, I still wasn't feeling them at all yet. So At that point, they turned off the Pitocin, took, you know, finished removing the Foley balloon and told me to get a few hours of sleep and that they would wake me up in the morning and have me eat some breakfast and then start Pitocin again. And so that was the plan. And at that point, it was about one o'clock in the morning. I think it was definitely the middle of the night somewhere. And so I laid down, we both went to sleep, and about three or 3.30 in the morning, it again, all of these nurses came rushing into the room, all they turned all the lights on, it was very, and I had taken something to help me sleep. So I was very disoriented. When I started to wake up, they kind of like shook me a little bit to wake me up and had me turn on my side. And then all of a sudden they were like, no, get on your hands and knees. And it was very, this time was a lot more scary to me than the first time it, it seemed a lot more urgent. There were a lot more people in the room um, An OB that I recognized was in the room too. And he actually was the doctor that I had seen in the first part of my pregnancy. And, um, and he was also the doctor that delivered me when I was born. So (laughs) that's amazing. Definitely knew him. And he, um, he made me feel very safe though. When he came in the room, I knew like, we're going to be okay. But it also really freaked me out because I thought I haven't seen any OBs. I've been seeing the midwives. I was so sure they were about to take me for a C-section. I just, I just knew in my mind that's what was happening. I was like, "It's an emergency. We're going to the OR." I just started to prepare myself for it, and um, all of these nurses were doing things. They were moving, you know, cords around. They were putting different monitors on me. They were just flipping me from side to side, and I had no idea really what was going on. And I remember I like sort of I think I must have been crying or something. One of the nurses finally told me what was happening, and. Um, So that her heart rate had dropped really significantly and kind of, they were having a hard time getting it to pick back up, but that she was okay. We were fine. Everything started to go back to normal. And um, this was probably the only time I think it was the only time in my entire labor experience that I had um, someone that didn't ask my consent before they started to do something. And one of the nurses there started to do a cervical check while I was on my hands and knees while I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know she was going to do it. You know, it was very, very painful. And I, you know, asked her to stop and, um, asked her to please wait till I was at least laying back down. And, you know, this really wasn't relevant information to have right at this point anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. so thankfully my, my nurse that had been with me all night came in at that point and she is the one that she called my midwife back and she did a cervical check instead, which was much more comfortable when the nurse had done it. She said that she, you know, I was one centimeter dilated and she could barely find my cervix, but also I was very tense and not, not having a good time at that point. That was, yes, that was the only time that, you know, someone just didn't ask if it was okay, or at least let me know what they were going to do first. And um, so that was, that was not a good experience, but she was, she was okay. And I was okay. And so I started to be able to calm down a little bit more. And, um, I got up to go to the bathroom again and realized that my husband had slept through the whole thing. He never even woke up. And I honestly, I was, I was like, I'm not even mad. That's honestly so amazing that you slept through. There had to be 12 people in the room and all of the lights on and He didn't even wake up. And I was like, well, at least one of us is sleeping.
0: And yeah. Yeah. And I will say, you know, when, when things like that happen and baby's heart rates drop like that from a nursing standpoint, we are definitely not the best at filling you in, you know, our minds go to like, you know, Turner flippers, start the fluid, oh, stop the course. pitocin. Like, and, and, and I usually always do try to be cognizant and say, Hey, you know, babe, and it, it takes five seconds, you know, just say, Hey, baby's heart rates down. We're going to do a couple of things. Just trust us. You know, that's yes. all that really needs to be said. And it, it yeah. is hard and it is very easy to forget in the moment, but definitely like, especially checking your cervix like that definitely should have been even just a quick, like, Hey, while you're on your hands and knees, I'm going to check your cervix. Cause sometimes, you know, the the thought is, well, maybe she's 10 centimeters all of a sudden and right, right here. And, you know, sometimes when they drop into the pelvis like that, their heart rate does that. So but it definitely should have been, you know, said to you, Hey, you know, you're going to feel me down here. I'm going to check your cervix with you on your hands and knees. Is that okay? Real quick. And then that conversation should have just very quickly. Yes. It should have been had even
1: quickly. And that was, and I was already so used to all of the nurses had always told me what they were doing and asked me before they you know, touched me in any kind of way. So it was, it mostly was just surprising that it was happening and I was so disoriented. I was
0: uncomfortable. Like
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's an uncomfortable position to have a cervical check done anyway. Um, but once it was over, it was, it was fine. Everybody left and I went back to sleep. Um, which honestly, it was so crazy. I just thought for sure in that moment that we were about to go for a cesarean or something was happening. So it, you know, my adrenaline was all the way up but I was able to go back to sleep and they came in at five o'clock in the morning, right on the dot, just like they said they would, and, um, had me go ahead and order some breakfast and eat it so they could, um, start the Pitocin again. And I took a shower, had some breakfast, you know, it was, it was a nice little slow kind of ease into the morning and around, I think six o'clock or so they came back in and we started, um, doing the Pitocin again. And, Just like the day before, as it started and as it started slowly increasing, I knew that I was having cramping, but there still wasn't anything too uncomfortable yet. Um, Once they did start coming closer together and a little bit more intense, I decided to go ahead and call our doula and have her come um, to the hospital. At that point, we had been calling her and just filling her in via text or a quick phone call. Um, so she knew everything that had happened. She was fully caught up. And when she got there, she was just amazing and able to help me get into different positions to help with um, the cramping. And just as my contractions were getting stronger and closer together, um, helped me kind of manage them and stay on top of them. Um, we also, our room, we had the TV turned on from the night before, and it was playing a Harry Potter marathon. So the whole time I was kind of just watching Harry Potter movies and that was a huge help in taking my mind off of things, which is so funny. I had all of these hypno babies, you know, tracks. I had all of these like playlists. I had worship playlists and different kinds of music I was going to listen to, but what helped me the most was watching Harry Potter. So (laughs) that kept me the most like present and kind of in the moment and able to distract myself from the contractions as they started getting a little bit more intense. And I knew kind of when that was no longer working that, okay, we're in real labor now. Like this is, I'm officially in active labor. The induction has worked. We are kicking things off. And, you know, at that point it had been a pretty long time. We were getting into kind of the 36 hours almost of trying to get things going, which I know is totally normal for an induction. And they had fully prepped me for that, that inductions could take as long as a couple of days even you know three or four days depending on my body and what kind of gets it going so I you know was prepared to be there for the long haul so that wasn't surprising Um, but what kind of did surprise me was how quickly it went from like oh I'm not in labor I'm just hanging out to oh my gosh wow like these contractions are getting very intense and I am not managing them well and they were getting kind of the point where they there was no break in between anymore and they were very much on top of each other so that was starting to get a lot more than i felt like i could manage so i stood up out of the bed i was doing some walking around doing some squats um i was you know trying to use the birth ball or the peanut ball depending on if i was on the bed or not and um bending over on the bed and just kind of swaying my hips back and forth was the most helpful thing. And I did that for a long time. Um, and then there came a point I got back in the bed and Oh, I, I should mention at that point, I also had two IVs. I had one in both hands because my blood sugar had started to get really, really high. So they put an insulin drip in one hand, and then I had my IV fluids and Pitocin in the other hand. So there, my positions were kind of limited because I had needles in both hands. So I couldn't quite do the like hands and knees that felt good. Or, um, you know, even leaning on something was kind of difficult because I had to make sure that my hands weren't bearing my whole weight. Right. Um, so that was what felt best was being on my hands and knees or leaning over, but it was, you know, hurting my hands or twisting the IV up. And, um, so as those positions kind of became more difficult, my pain was starting to increase and I wasn't handling it nearly as well anymore. Um, and I remember thinking in my head, I just had this thought. I was like, I think it's time to go ahead and get an epidural. This just, I don't, I'm not in this to kind of like power through and just, you know, prove to myself anything. And I kind of let go of that idea of doing it. Fully unmedicated because I, I mean, well, I was already medicated. I was, you know, having Pitocin. And um, once there was no break in between my contractions, and I also started vomiting during each contraction. Um, so that plus having the IVs everywhere, it just, I was like, I'll be much more comfortable and much better state of mind if I can get an epidural and get the edge taken off of this. And I, The Pitocin had actually, they had come down on it a little bit. So my body was doing this. It was doing it on its own for the most part, but it was still very much like all in the very front of my stomach was just like rock hard and felt like, felt much more like period cramps than I was anticipating. I think I thought contractions would feel very different and I would know exactly what was happening, but Um, and I'm sure they feel different to different people, depending on where the baby's at and all of that. But to me, it just felt like my worst period cramps. And I just kept waiting for it to, um, get better, I guess, or get some time (laughs) in between each one, like have a break in between. Um, and it just never came and it was just that constant pressure and it started to get very, very painful. So I looked at my husband and I said, I'm ready to get an epidural. And I had told them, I had a conversation with my husband and my doula, like when I, if I do say that I'm ready for an epidural, I'm ready. Like, I don't need you to talk me out of it. I don't need anyone to tell me to wait another contraction or five contractions. Like I've already, I'm a very internal processor. So I was going very inward and I knew when I was ready, I would be ready. So they called for anesthesiology and she was there very quickly. She was there within probably three minutes, which was amazing for me. Cause I was so worried that, you know, they were going to say, oh, she's in surgery or, you know, right. she's got several patients ahead of you. And I was like, oh God, I can't keep doing this for that long. And you know, she was there very quickly and kind of walked me through the process and I'm still vomiting this whole time while she's trying to ask me questions and get things set up. And I was like, oh, there are so many people in this room watching me throw up and <laughs> just, and it's, it's wild because I, I just didn't care. I was like, well, these are all medical professionals. They've seen everything. You know, this is a lot that my husband is seeing, but you know, he signed up for this, so he'll be okay. And our doula was very helpful. Thank God she was there. Like every time it's like, she was reading my mind. Like she knew when I was going to get sick and she knew exactly what to say to help me to calm down. And all of my nurses were fantastic, you know, giving me advice on what to do while she was placing the epidural and everybody was very patient, you know, waiting for me to kind of stop the vomiting and kind of get ready for her to even place the epidural. So, in that process, I was a little bit nervous. I didn't know what to expect. And, um, I didn't feel any discomfort at all. I know that they, you know, gave me a shot to numb my back and I didn't really feel that at all either. And, Um, I felt a little bit of pressure as she was, you know, placing things. And, but other than that, it just started to work pretty much immediately. Things started getting a little bit easier and each contraction was a little bit easier. Um, and after about 10 minutes, I was much more comfortable. I could still feel a lot of the pressure, of course, but the overwhelming pain of it was gone. And so I was in much better spirits. (laughs) And they go ahead, they told me to go ahead and take a nap. So I did, which is just so crazy thinking that I was in labor. I was in like active labor, having contractions every minute or two and just sleeping. And it was so, it was a little bit hard to deal with. I almost felt like, I don't know, kind of out of my body because I wasn't necessarily expecting to get an epidural. So I was all of my coping mechanisms were there for pain. And so I didn't really have anything to help me cope with just this empty space or pressure or not being able to really move my legs much because a lot of my positions that I was going to be in would require me to be up on my feet or out of the bed. And so I was really thankful to have our doula there because she knew all of the different positions to put me in and Um, Between my midwife and my nurse and her, they would change my position about every 20 minutes. And um, even while I kind of slept through what they were doing and um, they just came and went and kind of kept checking on me. And eventually my midwife came in, I would say maybe three hours later or so um, and checked me and I was at nine centimeters. And so I was very surprised. I was like, that happened so fast. Um, especially because I had been asleep most of that time. So it felt like I just woke up and all of a sudden there'd been all this change and my body was almost ready to start pushing and I could start to feel um, the pressure. So I told my husband, I was like, if you're going to want to go eat something or do anything, you need to go right now because this is going to happen very quickly. And so he did. He ran down and had a snack and um, came back up and Ardula came back. She had gone to take a little break and when they both got back in the room i went ahead and called the midwife because i started to feel a lot of pressure um Ardula actually she moved me into a side lying position and um kind of put my legs up in one of the stirrups and immediately i started to feel a lot of pressure down in kind of it kind of felt like i needed to poop mm-hmm. but i knew i've I, <laughs> i've listened to enough birth stories i was like that is a baby <laughs> that means <laughs> the baby is coming out So I, I had her call the midwife and she came in and checked me and sure enough, her head was very low and I was fully dilated and starting to feel pushy, which to me, I was, I wasn't sure what to expect because I couldn't feel much. So I wasn't sure like, oh, will I even know when it's time to push or will they have to tell me, you know, I don't know what will happen. So I was very, just almost shell shocked when they told me I could start pushing whenever I felt like I had the urge. and. I was almost like, wait, what? Like, I'm not ready. This (laughs) happened so fast, even though I had been there for days. And, you know, I knew this was coming obviously, but Mm -hmm. in the moment I was so surprised, like, oh, wow. Now, like I should start pushing now. And then it was like, all eyes are on me seeing, you know, what am I going to do? And they asked me kind of what position I wanted to be in. And um, I started, um, I started this whole labor experience insisting I won't give birth on my back. Like, I just don't feel like I'm going to be comfortable on my back. And of course that's exactly what happened. I ended up being the most comfortable on my back. I tried being on my side and that was just too much, um, too much pressure. So I moved again back to my back and, um, started pushing and started kind of, um, just leaning into that feeling and kind of letting my body take over. And it was so wild to me that even with the epidural, I still felt that natural pushing reflex and, you know, being able to work with my body. And I was worried I wouldn't be able to do that without being able to feel everything. And, um, the epidural started to wear off, um, around that time. And so I started feeling very sick again, and almost immediately was just in that same kind of just excruciating pain, um, and just couldn't stop, felt so sick. And, um, so they kind of increased my epidural again, and I actually found it much easier to push, even though I couldn't really feel anything. Um, but it took away that sick feeling and I was able to actually push rather than vomit. So very helpful. Um, and I, I asked for a mirror so that I could see kind of what was happening. And that was very helpful because then I could see exactly what I was doing and I wasn't just kind of blindly pushing. And I, um, I always recommend to people to be evaluated by a pelvic floor therapist, um, even, you know, outside of pregnancy, I just think it's always a good idea. Um, especially for anyone who's had any kind of like chronic pelvic pain or, um, you know, period issues or any of that stuff. So I had been working with a pelvic floor therapist for months before I even got pregnant and she had shown me kind of what muscles to use to push and, um, she had really helped kind of coach me on how to do that effectively. So I was really thankful for that, especially being able to concentrate on like my ab muscles, which I could still feel rather than just kind of blindly pushing and not knowing what I was doing. And, um, so I started pushing, she kind of started coming pretty rapidly. Um, so I was seeing it in the mirror and I was seeing her head coming out. And I just, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And it almost didn't feel like I was looking at myself because it just, it didn't feel like that could possibly be me doing that. (laughs) Right. But I just saw her head coming out and I immediately was just so motivated to just get her out. It was like, I just can't wait to meet her. She's right there. Um, and I just, I thought it was going to take so long. I've always heard of people pushing for hours and I thought we're, we're here for, you know, at least another couple of hours, but uh, there was a couple of pushes later and I, um, closed my eyes for that push. And then all of a sudden she was on my chest and it was just so like the feeling of that. I, you know, can't even describe like just meeting her for the first time. And I was so surprised that she was out and, you know, I hadn't really, I didn't know she was out until they put her on my chest and it was just the most incredible feeling and seeing her and like seeing her open her eyes and look at me for the first time. And, um, you know, just getting to hold her and see I mean, she was so much smaller than I had expected her to be. And, um, it was just, the best feeling. I couldn't believe it was over. I just kept looking at my (laughs) husband and saying like, I can't believe I just did it. I can't believe she's here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And I mean, you had an amazing successful induction. Yes. It took a long time as they always do, but like you said, it's like you did that. Like that's, that's amazing. And how long did you end up pushing for
1: about 30 minutes?
0: Oh yeah. That's incredible. So not long at all. And it sounds like you had a great epidural. I mean, unmedicated birth is beautiful, but epidurals are a beautiful thing too. Yes. And
1: that's how I looked at it. I, I know that I used an epidural as a tool to help me get the birth that was best for me and my baby, because I was, you know, miserable beforehand. And I can just imagine that, you know, my birth perhaps could have taken a lot longer because I was in so much pain and so, you know, tense and I couldn't relax. and uh, couldn't rest at all. So the epidural allowed me to rest and allowed me to, you know, get on top of those contractions enough to relax and not hold my body so tense that nothing could
0: even happen. Yes. And what, a what an amazing moment to have the mirror and be able to kind of like watch you. And like you said, you're like, it doesn't even seem like that it was actually me doing that. Yeah. but It is. It's like, it, it's incredible, and I, I think the mirrors are great for people because it motivates you and you actually kind of get to like watch your birth in a way. Yeah, and I just think it's really cool. And then she comes up on your chest and just what what a what a moment you will never forget.
1: No, it was just so amazing and our, I have um I just remember you know looking at my husband and I w- he wasn't sure he always said he didn't know if he was gonna watch her come out. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to see. Um, he wasn't sure if he would want to cut the cord or any of that. He just was like, that'll be a game time decision. I'll have to really (laughs) in the moment. And he did, he watched her um, come out and he ended up cutting the cord. And it was just all these like really special moments of him, him seeing her and me like having her on my chest and us looking at each other and knowing that, you know, we made this baby and she's ours. And I just still, I look at her and I can't believe that she came out of my body. <laughs> I
0: pushed her out. Yes, you did. It's it's amazing. It's I always say, you know, and and people can believe what they want. They can say what they want, but this is my podcast. So I'll say what I want to and I always say like it it's such a miracle and I don't know how anybody can ever have a baby, be pregnant, watch a birth and not believe in God. It yeah. just truly blows my mind. I yeah. you know, and like I said, people have different beliefs around that all the time, but in my opinion, and well, not an opinion for me, it's a fact, but yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just God's miracle. It's absolutely beautiful. Every time I watch a birth, I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, I look at their stomach and I'm like, wait, that A and B, it just doesn't equal up. Like yeah. how did, how did your stomach and how did you two make that from scratch? And then how is That's it now? here? I always say. like it. And I've seen hundreds of births as a labor and delivery nurse. And I'm just still, every time my mind's like totally blown.
1: It's so crazy. Every time I just looked down at her, I was just blown away that it is. I just couldn't comprehend that she <laughs> was mine and that she, you know, it's just the greatest feeling. And I've wanted to be a mom my whole life. And so I couldn't believe like this is really happening. And
0: yes, well, congratulations. You are one. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited. amazing.
1: <laughs> she was born the day after my birthday. So oh It ended up being yeah, the day after and she, you know, just the best birthday gift ever. And
0: that's awesome. She's just so wonderful. Yes. So tell me about postpartum. How has postpartum been?
1: Postpartum has been really great. And, um, you know, I work with a lot of postpartum people and I work with their newborns. And, um, so I felt like I was kind of a little bit more prepared than, you know, someone else might've been going into it. Um, but I mean, still nothing can prepare you for it being your own experience. And, um, you know, I was the one now recovering and I was the one now learning to breastfeed and I didn't have much, um, tearing. I only had a couple of stitches. So thank goodness there wasn't, I didn't have too much pain. I was very sore, um, for a couple of days, but my pain level really was very low. And I'm very thankful for that. I healed pretty quickly and. Um, By the time we got home, just a couple of days after she was born, I felt, you know, very back to normal-ish. So I felt like recovery, physical recovery was very quick. But um, within the first couple of days after she was born, I started to notice that I was having a lot of anxiety and a lot of what I felt like was excessive anxiety. And it was very difficult for me to sleep. Even in the hospital, I didn't sleep much because I just constantly wanted to watch her and make sure that she was okay and that she was breathing. I would check all the time to make sure she was breathing. And it was hard for me to even take shifts with my husband because I was just convinced that while I'm asleep, something bad is going to happen to her. And it will be because I wasn't there. It'll be because, you know, I wasn't staring right at her. Or I wasn't the one holding her. And I was terrified. I would, even if I did manage to fall asleep, have like horrible nightmares that, you know, that someone fell asleep while holding her and, you know, she Mm. fell or something, you know, something terrible happened. And um, after a few days, I started to think like, okay, this isn't normal. Like this, this is definitely some postpartum anxiety going on. This is not an average level of sleep deprivation or anxiety that, you know, it's not the typical like first time parent type of anxiety. This is definitely having a larger impact on my life and my ability to be a parent and even a functional human because I wasn't sleeping or eating Um, and I also I had a lot of anxiety surrounding breastfeeding I wasn't sure is she getting enough is she you know I I would just obsess over her diapers and making sure that she was having enough you know and it was just it started to get out of hand so I called my midwife and I asked can I come in um, and be seen because I feel like I'm having a lot of postpartum anxiety and I love my midwives have been amazing because they got me an appointment that same day and I went in and I never felt judged. I never felt like anyone was looking down on me. And I think a lot of times when people deal with postpartum issues like that, that's, they try to hide it and try to kind of stuff it down. And I, I understand that I even had that, those feelings of like, I'm her mom. I'm supposed to have it all together. I'm supposed to know what to do for her. I'm supposed to any more so because, I've worked with postpartum families for years really thankful that my midwife was very understanding and very supportive. And I, I forgot what the name of the, the test is that they give you for postpartum Edinburgh. Yes. Mm -hmm. They gave me that. And I scored very high that first time, um, which I was anticipating and that's not a test you want to score high on. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, you know, asked me all of the questions and asked if I felt like I was going to cause harm to her or me. And that was the only thing I never felt that I didn't feel like I was going to cause harm to her or myself, but I was just very, I couldn't stop crying. I, you know, if I had to be with her in the car, I was just in constant fight or flight. I was afraid someone was going to hit us. Um, just kind of things like that. There was just never a moment where I wasn't worried about her, you know, something happening to her. So they, offered to start me on medication and I was very hesitant at first because I'm typically a person that doesn't take a lot of medications and I had been heavily medicated my entire pregnancy and I was very disappointed in myself for feeling like I needed medication postpartum too. It started to feel like, why aren't you good at this? Why can't you just get it together? You know, why can't I just be a normal person and have a normal pregnancy and not have to, you know, induced and then not have postpartum anxiety. And, um, so it, I struggled with the idea of taking medication, you know, for a day or so, but my husband and I talked about it and I just, you know, can, you know, told him everything. And we, we have very open communication between us. And we, even before I had given birth, told him like, you know, kind of things to look out for and, um, what to do if I had, you know, if he noticed any kind of depression or anxiety, or me just not acting like myself. And, Um, so we, I was able to tell him everything without, you know, feeling like he would judge me or, you know, tell me to suck it up or whatever, or tell me to just go take a nap. That was the thing. Taking a nap, isn't going to solve this problem. So I did decide to go ahead and start taking medication. And, um, it's been so helpful, like night and day difference. And I've seen my midwife a couple of times since then, just as, um, a follow-up to kind of check and see where things are going and the the scales on the test are starting to come down and um, I'm starting to feel much more like myself and like I'm able to enjoy her and I'm able to relax and let her spend time with her dad or her grandparents without me needing to hover over her or obsess over every little detail. And so that's made a huge difference in our postpartum period.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, postpartum anxiety It's, it's so, it's, it's very different from postpartum depression as much as like they, you for sure can have both. They for sure can tie together. The, I postpartum anxiety is just like, it's so, it's just full of like, like you said, like so much worrying, like little things like you were driving Mm -hmm. down the road and you're like, oh my gosh, somebody might crash into us. Mm -hmm. And like, logically, when you can step out of that, you're like, that is not. Like, you know, you, that's not yeah. right thinking, but in the moment it, it really is, it can be so crippling because like you said, you're not asleep and that only makes it worse. You know, you're not sleeping because mm-hmm. you want to, and I feel like that's very common postpartum that, and that doesn't mean it's normal, but with postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, I'm sorry. Um, I feel like one of the most common things is people wanting to watch their babies breathe. Yes. And, and it's just, you know, it's, it's the fear that something's going to happen. And it's the fear of like, I've done so much to bring this baby here. I cannot Mm -hmm. let anything happen to them. And it, it's, it's really, it's really hard. And, you know, struggling with it is very hard because you're like, why am I, you know, why am I having this? I should be good at this. I, especially, you know, you, you did this for a living. So you're like, I should be the first one to be able to you know, be okay with being postpartum Mm -hmm. and being a mom and everything like that. But it's amazing that you were able to go and get that help. And, you know, you've, you've already been coming through it and working through it and only six weeks postpartum. And you already feel like you're kind of getting on the upside of it, which is amazing that you, you didn't hesitate. I mean, you said you were home for a few days Mm -hmm. and you went and sought out that help. And, you know, it's, and like you said, it's so easy to think of excuses and think like, okay, this might be normal. Let me just wait it out. And that's the problem. I feel like people really wait it out. And then they're like i'll just bring it up in my 6 week visit if i'm still feeling that and it's like no like if you're feeling that within a few days you mm-hmm. need to bring that up and people need to feel empowered and educated and i'm really glad that you touched on that because it needs to be brought up the minute you start feeling it not you know not even like oh let me give it like a week or two maybe i'm just exhausted like right. no let's let's get on top of this let's tackle this now and and let's stomp it out you know yes absolutely and i've seen so many people struggle with i mean
1: so many people struggle with it and and just don't talk about it. So you just don't know how common it actually is. And you're right. It's so common, but it's not normal. It's not, that's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to be obsessive or, you know, crying constantly. It's that's not normal. And, um, and something my midwife said to me is she said, I just, I want you to be able to enjoy your baby. If you're not enjoying her, then something's not right because there's a difference between having some baby blues and being a little off, you know? Um, and then just being constantly terrified or, you know, constantly crying or having, you know, rage is another really common thing. And I had a little bit of that too, where I would just feel like rage out of nowhere, you know, towards mm-hmm. like my husband, if he couldn't somehow read my mind or right. do exactly what I, I needed or wanted in the moment, <laughs> like, you know, and I would know, like, of course he can't read my mind. Of course he has no idea what me or her needs in this moment, but. I didn't want to have to verbalize it. I guess I wanted yeah. him to just know, or I would get very irritated, you know, just at the slightest thing. And so I knew these are not normal things. I don't want to be experiencing this for her whole newborn time. She's only a newborn for a few weeks and I don't want to miss any of that. So I, you know, as hard as it was, cause you're right, there's always an excuse and there's always a feeling of like, I should be tougher or, you know, my friend didn't deal with this or my mom, my sister, whoever, like, they didn't have this. Why do I have this? And, you know, the truth is they may have had it and didn't talk to anyone. You'd never know. Um, But I will always advocate for reaching out just the moment you realize something's not normal because I would rather, you know, reach out and get it taken care of right away and not let it blow up into something huge.
0: Right. Yeah. I could not agree more. Thank you so much for, you know, sharing all that and being vulnerable with just sharing your story of struggling with that postpartum anxiety. Cause it's definitely a real thing and you know, it can be, it can definitely be hard to talk about and to, you know, shine a light on. So thank you so much for just sharing that and just, you know, shining a light on it and providing so much little bits of wisdom in there too, that I know many people can probably relate to feeling like that and maybe thinking it's normal. And, you know, it's just the more we talk about it, the more, the more we can help other people with it. Yes. Yes. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your birth story. And I'm just so happy for you. I, I can't believe you did this six weeks. You know, like you said, we said in the beginning before we started recording, she's like, I'm in the thick of it. So I said, well, thank you even more for coming on the podcast and sharing your time with us to just share your story. I'm so glad that I got to meet you and got to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. And where can listeners connect with you? Like, do you have Instagram or?
1: Yes, I'm on Instagram and my Instagram handle is Elizabeth underscore
0: Blair. Perfect. Elizabeth underscore Blair. And I will link that in the show notes of this podcast as well. It was great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at What CLT. Check out our website, whatthebumpclt.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on and tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.